The world is like a ride at an amusement park. And when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think. Feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nicholas Gregratis Show. I am your host, Nicholas Gregratis. I'm sure you've all noticed the long gap between last week's episode and the previous episodes. I think it was about a month where I didn't release any shows. And the reason for that is I just didn't have the energy or focus or attention to put on the production and release schedule. You know, I, one of the things I've had to accept about getting older, and one of the things I didn't want to accept about getting older, is that you just don't have the same level of energy that you did when you were young, generally. And obviously, a lot of it's about mindset. And if you have a, a positive mental attitude, and you make sure that the rest of your lifestyle factors are taken care of, like you sleep well, and you eat well, and you know, you, you're, you're motivated and, and uh, you're just in a good place. You generally have more energy than if those things aren't, aren't working well. But there does come a point that you hit a wall where you realize that your time, energy and attention are just finite, no matter how much you wish they weren't, and no matter how much you try to convince yourself using, uh, you know, positive mental speak or whatever it might be, you just, you hit this wall. And I hit this, I hit that wall uh, last month. It was the middle of summer here, or the end of summer, and we were experiencing a really bad heat wave in Los Angeles. And uh, three of my best friends had visited for my birthday from different parts of the world. One had come from Australia, one had come from Amsterdam, one had come from London. And, uh, you know, I just, I just wanted to spend time with my friends and take a little bit of time off and just enjoy myself. And so something had to give, and it was the podcast, which, you know, was disappointing to me because, as I'm sure you guys can tell from, you know, the, the quality of the content and the frequency of the content, you can tell how much I put into it. You know, this show is very important to me. Of all my projects, it is one of the ones that is closest to my heart and one of the ones that means the most to me. So when it suffered like that, uh, I, I was disappointed, but there was a deeper lesson in all of this deeper than the fact that we have limited energy, which is, you know, when this happened, when I had this period of about a month where I was unable to fulfill, uh, my desired output with the show, I started to beat myself up and it reminded me of a pattern that has been present in my life for a long time, which is you know, just beating myself up when I don't live up to these incredibly high standards I set for myself. And I'd always thought that that came from a place of love. But the deeper I look, the more I realize that that actually comes from a place of fear. And as Rocco and several other people have taught me, ultimately, our decisions always come down to one of, are always motivated by one of two things, that's love or fear. 
right? And I realized that being that way with myself was, you know, like so intensely hard on myself and having almost a perfectionist complex didn't come from a place of love whatsoever. It came from a place of fear, fear of not being enough or not doing enough or fear of not being uh, perceived in a certain way. And, you know, I made a choice a long time ago that I wasn't going to live like that, but sometimes we're not aware of our patterns. Sometimes we don't know that we're doing things from a place of fear as opposed to a place of love. And so it was really cool for me to figure this one out and I had a really aha moment. Um, Either way, I'm back. I've got 18 episodes in the bank that have been recorded. That's enough. If I do one a week or if I release one a week, it's going to take us all the way through to the 20th of January, 2023. So I'm doing a batch, uh, what I call batch production, where I'm going to record the intros and the outros for a whole bunch of them today. And then uh, they'll be in the bank ready to be released by my, my production team. And so uh, there'll be a more regular flow of episodes. So it's a very long and convoluted way of saying, uh, well, of explaining why there was that gap in release. But uh, I'm sure you guys understand. I want to let you guys know that my coaching is, my one-to-one coaching is still going. And I can say with all confidence that if you work with me in a one-to-one capacity and you're willing to do the work, your life will change. You will get in better shape. You will have better relationships. You'll make more money. You'll be more fulfilled and you'll be overall a happier and healthier person. I'm going to get some of my previous clients to record audio testimonials and then use those as snippets at the beginning of the show just so you guys can get an idea of of how much working with me can do for you. But in the meanwhile, if uh, you're interested in changing your life and getting ready to make 2023 uh, the best year of your life, please send me an email. My address is the number one and then at coachnickg.com. And that's Nick without a K. So just coachnick.com, one at coachnickg.com. Always look forward to hearing from you. We'll usually jump on a chat and uh, I'll just get to know you a little bit better and we can see if I can help you. There's no pressure or expectation from me. Um, I just really enjoy helping people. And, you know, as I said, I'll just figure out if we're a good fit. And if not, no pressure at all. So if you want to work with me or considering work with me, send me an email, one at coachnickg.com. Okay, guys, let's dive in today's, into today's episode, which is with two extraordinarily accomplished gentlemen. We had a great conversation. I know you guys are going to love it. It's John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Enjoy. Hey, guys, welcome back to the show. I am joined today by John McCaskill and Will Schneider. They are both the hosts of the Men Talking Mindfulness podcast. I was on their show several weeks ago now. I had a great time. These guys are they're really like my kind of people. They have very high frequencies, which is what I'm always looking for when I interact with people. I want to, I want to see if I'm feeling the vibes and I definitely was feeling the vibes with them. So I invited them on the show and here they are guys. Welcome. Thanks for having us, Nick. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Same Nick. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, guys, it, it really is cool to have you on. As I said, I just, you know, the, the older I get, the more I learn, 
uh, the more I find out who I am and what I want out of life. What becomes so apparent to me or so clear to me is that I just do not have the time or energy to spend with people who aren't going to help lift me up who, who, or who aren't on my, my, at my frequency or higher. You know, I just, I can't deal with people that are heavy or negative or that, that aren't pulling in the same direction. So meeting you guys was just, <clears throat> excuse me, such a pleasure because I can really feel that, as I said earlier, you're, you just radiate goodness and enthusiasm and positivity. And it's, it's just wonderful. Well, thanks. thanks brother. Nick. Yeah. Back at you for sure. Uh, you know, I, I just wrapped up a, a retreat with Joe Dispenza and he talks a lot about where, where our energy goes. And a lot of that goes to where our attention is. And mm -hmm. a lot of us spend a lot of attention on people that just shouldn't be in our lives. And mm -hmm. uh, you know, you are, definitely a person I want in my life because that energy that you radiate is infectious. And we felt that on our episode on men talking mindfulness, when we, when you were a guest with us and we are again, honored to be here on your show, brother. Mm, no, it's, it's good to have you guys, you know, uh, Joe Dispenza is someone whose work I've studied quite deeply over the last year, actually, uh, his book becoming supernatural and, um, what was the other one? Something about being Break, yourself. Breaking, breaking the habit of being yourself. Breaking the habit of being yourself. Just this idea of, you know, the the energy that you, and this this idea is not just from Joe Dispenza. There's many spiritual teachers who, um, who, who speak about it. Another one is David Hawkins, who's one of my favorites, the author of Letting Go, The Pathway to Surrender. I'm actually reading another one of his books at the moment. But the premise is that we we believe, or generally we're taught to believe that we live in a world of linear deterministic causality. So if you mm. do A, it causes B and that then causes C. And when you study the work of these teachers, what they're all trying to teach us is that it's not deterministic from a place of doing, it's a deterministic more from a place of being. So when you are yeah. A or B, it then leads to C or D or whatever that might be. And that's something that um, I just believe with a deep, uh, believe isn't the right word, it's something I just know. I just know that there's truth to that. I'd love to hear your opinions on that. Yeah. Well, it's I something mean, I, I... Go for go it. Go for it, John. Okay. <laughs> so something I learned a long time ago when I was doing some self-development work through uh, something similar to Landmark Forum. It was called Momentum Education here in the city, like back in 2011. And, they're still doing their workshops and stuff, and it's really helped me wake up. And they call it call, they kind of call themselves like adult education. And, you know, to come back to what you said about the linear nature of how, you know, we think like everything A goes to B, goes to C, goes to D. They had this distinction in what they said, like, you know, most people think if I have this, then I'll be, you know, if I, if I have this, or if I do this, then I'll have this, and then I'll be this, you know, I'll be happy, whatever. And working reverse, reverse engineering that, which you mentioned, Nick, it is really how it works. If I if I am being happy and generous and kind and peaceful, and 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 I work with those qualities of being and and doing my life, like doing things that I enjoy, hopefully, um, um, and, and then all of a sudden you receive all the benefits from that essence of being, and you know, and I've been ever since I heard that like 10 years ago now, 
I've really been working on my, you know, I think about the human being, right? There's two parts, there's a human and the being. And I really feel, really feel like the human is the body, right? It's, it's like kind of the car that we drive around. But the being is what's inside the engine. And if we're constantly trying to tune that, in, that, that vibration of that energy um, to, you know, the things that I mentioned, like kindness and peace and generosity, then all of a sudden life just gets a hell of a lot easier. And, that, and that's been my experience. Mm. I'm reminded of a classification for, for humans uh, and obviously, you know, it's, this is just a, a framework or a way of looking at the human experience. It doesn't mean everyone fits into one of these three categories, but it's, it's a good starting point, which is that at the lowest level are people who define themselves or who derive their self-worth from what they have, you know, right. like, which is money or looks or fame or, or power, or whatever it might be. And then higher than that is people who derive their sense of self-worth from what they've done or what they do or what they've achieved. Mm -hmm. And mm. at the highest level on this particular categorization is people who, who intrinsically value themselves based on who they are. And that's right. that's analogous to, to who you are is analogous to your being, right? And uh, mm. I've, I've seen that in my own life and observed it in others. You know, the, the points at which I was taking myself or deriving my self-esteem from things I had or things that I, I had done, I just wasn't the best version of myself, right? And, and also those are things that can be taken away from you, right? My first, my first martial arts instructor, he said, work on things that you can take with you when you die. And I never really understood mm. what he meant uh, initially, but I subsequently came to realize that it's, it's this idea that your soul or your state of being or your vibration, your frequency, that is something, if there is an afterlife or reincarnation or somewhere we go after this, you can take that with you, with you where you go, whereas you cannot take your belongings or your mm. achievements. Yeah. Right? And how, how is that, that, that vibration also not just uh, goes with you, but how about that vibration that you've put into other people's lives? You know, and so mm -hmm. like it's almost like a legacy of vibration that can carry through. But like, oh, well, so and so I just he, I remember that peace. I remember that kindness. I remember that generosity. And and you can be affecting other lives in that regard as well. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I was so, going to say, you know, that if, if you are in any shape, form or fashion, defining yourself by what you've done, it's not what you've done for yourself. It's it's what you've done uh, for others the stuff that's not self-serving. Um, and then as far as, you know, defining ourselves by what we have, the money, the looks, the cars, the house, you know, the, I think we actually discussed this when you were on our show, Nick was uh, the, you know, the gap between enough and more, it never closes. So mm -hmm. as you get more and more, you'll never get enough. Um, so you can't define yourself by that. Otherwise you will never be happy because we're constantly looking and we're constantly convinced that we can change how we feel on the inside by getting something on the outside. Like, Hey, once I get to, you know, this number of followers on social media, or once I get to this amount of money in my bank account, or once I have this car, I'm going to be happy. Mm. Well, no, you're not. You're, you're not, you can't define yourself by that. You can't define happiness by that stuff on the outside. You have to find something on the inside that can change how you feel. And that's, you know, 
what you're referring to in, in defining ourselves by who we are. Right. And that's mm. what carries forward, you know, in the, in the next life or whatever's after this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely it, agree. It, uh, John, I wanted to, to ask you specifically a little bit about your backstory. Um, there's one element in particular that I'm very interested in. Um, Will, which is not to say that you don't have an interesting backstory as well. No just worries, this, this brother. One, no worries. <laughs> there's one key thing about John that I'm always fascinated by is his, is his military background. That's something that's uh, very, I don't want to say close to my heart, I, but it's something that I've always admired. I was just teaching a retreat over the last week and there were a few soldiers there. And what I said to them is, you know, I, I don't admire the military industrial com uh, complex and its motivations for instigating and initiating war. However, I do admire soldiers. I truly admire the individuals who, you know, stand up for things they believe in or, or, or you know, serve, serve their country, even though it may or may not be misguided. I really admire the courage that it takes to do that. And it's my understanding, John, that you, you're a Navy SEAL. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Oh, man, I'd love to hear more about that. And starting with what inspired you to become a Navy SEAL? Yeah, well, funny enough, it's, it actually goes back to uh, you and I have this in common in that I was, I was born in South Africa. I was born in Cape Town and uh, moved to Joburg when I was three or four and then moved from Johannesburg to Louisiana when I was seven. And one of the reasons my parents moved us out of South Africa was to get us away from the draft. Uh, they, they thought that myself and my younger brother were going to be drafted into the military at some point. We also left because of apartheid. and We didn't believe in that. Um, but they, they brought us here to the States. I grew up in Louisiana and uh, I was fascinated with the military and I have always been a, a patriot at heart. And that's not to say that I agree with the military industrial complex and, and you know, even, even Eisenhower, you know, a great general. And then our president didn't agree with that. Um, and I, I think many military members would not agree with the, the motivations there, but to serve our country and to protect what we've developed here, protect our freedoms uh, to truly go after what is authentic within the military service um, that's what inspired me. I, I wanted to serve my, my fellow man. Um, and I wanted to do so in, uh, a very small tight knit group. And I knew special operations was that was a small tight knit group, kind of like a brotherhood. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, I started looking after or looking into special operations. I looked into the, the army special forces, the green berets and the rangers, I looked into what then was the the Marine Force reconnaissance, and I looked into mm -hmm. the Air Force para rescue guys, and, and all you, of them you came to the conclusion that these dudes were all losers, and you wanted the best. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not, certainly not. I have the utmost admiration for all of them, uh, but I I have a love for the ocean, and so I decided, you know, I wanted to do something in and around the ocean. And so I, I joined the SEALs. The, the funny thing is most of my service in the SEALs was away from the ocean. I lived by the ocean the whole time, but most of my operational experience was away from the ocean in Afghanistan and Iraq. Um, so 
Uh, but that's what drew me to it. And uh, I served amongst some of the, the best men and women. I, I met my wife in the, in the SEAL teams, funny enough. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm ever thankful for the SEAL teams and the, the, the men and women who are still serving in those, uh, in those elements. Well, I, I want to find out a little bit more about um, the, the training in particular. I think it's called Buds mm. Week. Is that correct? That's yeah, like so, a- yeah. So Buds, um, Buds is the six-month program. And then so Buds is basic underwater demolition SEAL training. That's mm-hmm. what it stands for. And then within Buds, there's a one-week period called Hell Week. Hell Week. That's uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's uh, five days. That's basically nonstop. And, and you sleep. You do get one period of sleep that's roughly two to three hours, and that's not per night. That's one period per the whole week, and uh, <laughs> the rest of the time is physical training, running around with boats, getting uh, surf tortured is what they call it. That's basically where you lie down in the in the ocean. And- How much did you like the ocean then, John? When you're yeah. surf- <laughs> I was, I was hating it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so I, I guess the, my, where my mind goes with this is where did that take you mentally? And yeah. I mean, the objective of that, um, it's my understanding is to try to see who breaks under pressure, right? Like, because when right. I was just speaking about this with someone else, we were talking about, you know, one of the things about being a man is or like a, at least a, a fully developed actualized man is the ability to, to be vulnerable, right? And to display vulnerability. And mm-hmm. I, I came up with a counterpoint that like, Yes, there, that is really important and, and is something to aspire to. But when the shit hits the fan, when when stuff goes down, I want the guy standing my back. I don't want him to be displaying vulnerability. I don't want him to break down in tears and like want to express his feelings. I want this fucking guy to get the job done, right? Right. And it's my understanding that that's what Hell Week is trying to do. Right. Yeah, it's basically um, kind of a rite of passage in one way. And then two is, is a is a way of weeding out those who um, just don't have what it takes in in certain scenarios. Now, I will say some amazing people wash out of buds and wash out of hell week and they go out and do amazing things. Uh, but yes, the, the reason is that when I'm in combat or you know making an entry into a house or a building or a room, the people that are behind me and with me I want to know, have what it takes to take down the enemy in that room and are not going to mm. come out of the room running away. Um, mm-hmm. That said, I, I think even in combat on the battlefield, some of the most heroic things that I've seen done or heard of being done, I may not have been there myself, took amazing vulnerability. Uh, mm. Like, you know, I, uh, Michael Mansoor, one of the SEALs who was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor after he jumped on a grenade, uh, you know, to, he, his, he sacrificed himself to save those men around him. That took amazing vulnerability and, and strength mm-hmm. and courage to do. And he, you know, didn't really think about it. He just did it. So that's, you know, another form of vulnerability. When we say vulnerability, it doesn't necessarily mean, um, you know, balling up. Uh, and and crying in your shower, <laughs> which yeah, you know, if, that's, if that's what you're doing, hey, more power to you. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that if you're experiencing something that is causing that type of emotion. But there's also vulnerability that is, uh, you know, doing something heroic and courageous. So, yeah, no, I I, I get it. I'm, I'm just fascinated with, you know, I saw Saving Private Ryan 
whenever it came mm. out, I think it was 25 years ago. And yeah, amazing. You know that scene where they're they're on those landing, uh, those beach landing, yeah, um, not vehicles. Maybe there's a vehicle. It's like it's an amphibious thing where I can, right. Yeah, and and those doors are about to open, right? And these oh guys, yes, the opening of the movie is one of my favorite scenes. It's like exactly. twenty five minutes long. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. And then just it gives me goosebumps now to think of it. But you know, it's happened throughout history. You know, men standing on a battlefield or emerging from an ocean, about to face an opposing force, and knowing that at the end of this encounter you're either going to be dead or maimed or someone you you love one of your brothers is going to be mm-hmm. either dead or maimed and you know you, you're going against everything all your instincts because our, our primary instincts of um self self-preservation right you move towards pleasure and you move away from pain and you try to do it as efficiently as possible and when you put into something like that a situation like that that is the whole organism is designed to move as far away from that as possible. And what emerges from that, the, the, the bravery and the, the mental fortitude and the, the stories and the, it's just fascinating to me. I don't want to go through it because I just, it's got to scar your soul in some way, but just the thought of it is, it just, it's always fascinates me. Um, And I, I guess my, my next question would be for you, John, you, you said a lot of great guys wash out of Hell Week, right, and go on to achieve great things. But what do you think is the differentiating factor between those who make it and those who don't? Is it a, I would guess that it's a, at the root of it all, it's not a physical ability. It would mm. be probably like a, a belief system that they use to motivate themselves or to get through the, the, the difficult parts. What, what, do you, what is your opinion on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and you know, this is one of the things that I actually speak about in some of my, my public speaking is, is what differentiates the people that make it and those that don't. And I, I don't think that those who wash out are, are weak. I think that their focus and their why are, are different and need refinement. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that show up to SEAL training literally show up to SEAL training to, to say that they went to SEAL training. That's the, that's the end all be all. That's, that's, that's why crazy. they're there. That's yeah, not no why. I mean, no yeah, real why, right? There's no real, <laughs> right. There's no real why past that. They can't see past the horizon. The, the people who make it are the ones who know that this is just a means to an end. It's a stepping stone toward them becoming a seal and serving their country as a seal. Their, mm-hmm. their why is larger than them showing up to buds. Mm-hmm. The, the next thing is the ability to break their larger goal down into smaller digestible chunks. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of guys get to buds and they're like, holy shit, I've got to make it through six months of training and day one sucked. Uh, and then they don't show up for day two. Well, when you can break it down and you know, rather than looking at six months, you're like, okay, I just need to make it through this phase of training. Buds is divided into three phases. First phase is basically like the weeding out process. Second phase is dive phase. Third phase is land warfare phase. Well, you break it down and say, okay, well, I just need to make it through this phase. And then you break that phase down into, I just need to make it down through this week. I just need to make it down through this day. I just need to make it through this meal. And you mm. break it down into that digestible chunk. That's, that's the differentiator. One is having the larger why, and then two, being able to break the larger goal and larger why down into smaller digestible chunks. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen 
that at play in my own life. It's, you know, sometimes it's, I just got to get through this next hour. Right. Jiu-jitsu is a good example. It's like, man, if I can just survive this five seconds or this 10 seconds, I'll, I'll get through to the other side. So yeah, it's, it's cool to see that confirmed. Now, Will, you, mm. you have survived your own uh, <laughs> hell week of a sort, which is <laughs> life in New York City. <laughs> um, there's a there's a song that came out in 1997 it was one of the most influential things i've ever um been exposed to in my life it's called sunscreen by baz lerman and in that song he i love that it's a great song right he says yeah. live in live in new york city once but leave before it makes you hard and uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean i've in the in the brief interactions i've had with you will you don't seem to be hard and calloused I'm not saying you seem weak. You just seem still mm. open, and you know, uh, you you know what I'm talking about. There's certain guys who've lived in New York City for such a period of time that they just become cold, and they just come become kind of like assholes. To be honest, there's no other way to put it. Yeah, and you seem yeah, to have well, avoided that. How have you done that? Well, uh, you know, first I'll say I see a lot of those people all the time. Um, <laughs> you know, in New York. Um, I think it's well, it's these practices. It's 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 meditation. It's yoga. It's mindfulness. It's it's you know taking those classes like I talked about earlier and understanding the importance of you know uh, the essence of being. Um, and you know when I first moved here, it's been actually it's an anniversary on this Friday. It's it'll be 19 years this Friday that I, when Whoa, I moved, nice. left the corporate world and and went on my own and moved to the Big Apple. Um, and I've always that day that I, when I woke up on the 3rd of Jan June, um, you know, 19 years ago, it just felt so free. And New York has really been a, a big gift to me because it's, you know, what they say, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere because mm -hmm. it is a tough place. I mean, it's a, you know, when I first moved here all those years ago, the first, it took me about eight months for the seemingly the ground to stop shifting under my feet because it's just the intensity of the pace you know the the incredible number of people the you know the attitude you know the, the new yorkers are kind of hard but what mm -hmm. i'll say on the opposite side of that anytime there's been any disaster i lived through a blackout when i got here in june and there's like, like a freaking 36 hour blackout in new york for no, I mean, it was like 18, it was 18 hours, something like that, 18, 20 hours in August. Um, where I, I've been here, here through Hurricane Sandy. I've been here through like two and three foot snowstorms, multiple ones. And Ev, what's amazing about New I've been through that, you know, the most recent shooting that happened like last month. And every time there's any disaster that happens here in the city, it is amazing what happens to the people here. We open up, start seeing, you know, we never, every time I walk down the street, unless it's before 8.30 in the morning or 8 o'clock in the morning, people will say hello. People will say good morning. Something about hitting that 8 o'clock mark, boom, everybody <laughs> is beelining. I, I, yeah, beelining to whatever they got to do next. And nobody makes eye contact or maybe like 1% or 2% of the population makes eye contact. No hellos, no this, no that. Mm. But during these times of disasters or, or extreme challenge within the New York community itself, we come together in an amazing way. Like the soul of New York is is actually really good. Um, and, you know, having all these years uh, here in New York, but also continually 
developing as a more mindful man and a more kind person and a more peaceful person, um, it helps me to see, mm -hmm. if you will, that kind of the ignorance of that hardness, you know what I mean? And all that callousness and all, you know, and, um, and you just can really, uh, for me, I can, I can just really see still the goodness in everybody in the city. Um, I'll, you know, John, I've been, I've been talking with John, another friend of ours. There's a, to speak to that, that hard New York attitude, Nick, I just mm -hmm. moved into this new place, you know, like a, a month ago. And, uh, uh, there's this, there's this, I was walking through the neighborhood the one day and, you know, I'm kind of tend to be one of those strange people that say hello to people, you know, <laughs> especially my neighbors, you know what I mean? Like my neighbors, like I want to know the guy at the deli. I want to know like the guy that lives next to me or across the street because it's like important. You know what I mean? When mm. things go down, you know, or something happens, like it's nice to just know people, you know what I mean? Sure. And not completely shut yourself off from the world. So there's this one dude that lives around the corner from me, like one door down and, uh, he's, uh, standing on his porch no i saw him one day earlier a day earlier two or two days earlier just kind of standing on the corner not going anywhere just kind of sunning himself and mm -hmm. i was like what's this guy doing he's just like standing on the corner like looking around like he's a big dude too he's like he's like must have been like a linebacker or lineman he's like a big fucking dude like six five probably like 230 or something like that big dude and uh so i just you know i was just like that's like i guess he's just sunning himself whatever i see the same guy a day or two later standing on his porch like two doors down from the place I just moved in on. And I just thought I'd be like, Hey, I thought I'd say hello. I'm like, Hey, I was like, how you doing? I just moved in. My name's Will. And this guy, like a freaking robot keeps staring out straight. Doesn't even, he doesn't make eye contact with me yet, but then he doesn't even move his head. Just looks down at me with his eyes. I've already kind of extended my hand out for a handshake. Right. And he extends his forearm for a forearm fist bump kind of thing. Right. And I was like, Hey, my name's Will. I was like, what's your name? He goes, John, like something out of fucking like the Terminator movie. And he goes, John. And, 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 and then I just like kind of walked on throughout my day. Right. And then sure enough, like three days later, four days later, I see him walking on the street. I'm like, what's up, John? Right. How you doing? He's like, what's up, buddy? So I'm getting closer, you know, to my neighbors. Um, yeah. but, softening uh, his heart, man. I'm softening his heart one man at a time, one hello at a time. <laughs> uh, you know, but I think it's just like one, another thing, Nick, that's really helped me is and I've learned this and it's taken me a little bit of time to really build this into my schedule, into my life is I need to get the hell out of New York every eight to 10 weeks. Mm. I need to go into nature. I need to go away for a weekend. I need to be at the ocean or a lake or in like grass and trees because just getting back to nature um, it takes, it helps to download all of this incredible intensity that, that mm. New York tries to really implant in my soul. But then I also meditate, you know, um, I mean, I stay very physically active, which helps to release and relent and, re you know, rinse a lot of the stress and the anxiety mm. and stuff that New York can bring. And, and then also, you know, what you said earlier, uh, Nick, at the very top of the show, it's like, you know, you show me your friends, you, you know, you show, I'll show you your future. So I really surround myself with good people too, you know, that's, good people that good get it, people that have a good heart, you know what I mean? People that are not just you know, going after the bling bling and you know, all the other stuff we talked yeah. about earlier too, you know, but really are, have their why, you know, and, and by being around people like that and, and, and being in those conversations, being with their energy, 
it just makes New York a lot better, a lot less, you know, uh, it just makes it better. And plus New York is fucking awesome. There's like art, there's shows, the food is incredible. And like when you lean into New York in those realms, like it is an incredible city, especially like, well, today it's like 93 degrees and it's sweltering mm-hmm. and fucking miserable a little bit. <laughs> but it's like, but that's New York, you know, and it's like, yeah. uh, and I think the practices, you know, and, and, and having a, a positive outlook, you know. I mean, this city, it's a city of opportunity. It's like, the, it's Rome here. Sure. It's like, I live in Rome, you know, it's really awesome. But like, how do you manage Rome? And, and that's what I think there I, should yeah. be a book written about it or something. <laughs> For sure. So much, yeah. so much came to mind during, during what you just said. The first is that scene in, uh, I can't remember which of the Spider-Man movies it was, but Spider-Man is basically hanging off. I think it's the Brooklyn Bridge. He's trying to, He's got the web attached to the bridge to hold himself up. And then he's got another web attached to this car that's got people. And then he's trying to save, save them. Mm-hmm. And the Green Goblin is flying around, like throwing bombs at him. And then all these New Yorkers <laughs> on the bridge start like hurling Coke cans and stuff at the Green yes. Goblin. They're like, <laughs> like, fuck you, man. This is New York. We look out for each other. You know, Spider-Man. Yeah. 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 And I really appreciated that a lot. I think what, what I, what I, what comes to my mind when you when you talk about a place like New York and and that intensity and that look, I don't think human beings are designed or have evolved to live in such close proximity in, in such huge groups. I just I just think that that Absolutely it is what not. it is, right? And this is coming from someone mm-hmm. who lives in Los Angeles, right? So, right. I, um, <laughs> there, there's this. I cannot remember which book it was I read, but this guy was explaining how your environment is always stronger than willpower. So mm. it doesn't matter what, um, you know, how strong your will is and, and how many, how disciplined you are, eventually the, the environment will overpower you. And I mm. guess with a place like New York and with Los Angeles, like I love Los Angeles, I'm going to live here for a long time, but there's going to come a point where I'm going to, I'm going to want to be living in a place that is way less crowded, way more relaxed. Mm. I'm going to buy some, same, a few, a few hundred acres somewhere and just have a ranch or something like that. I mean, is that your plan as well? I mean, surely you can't stay yeah. at that level of intensity forever, right? No, I think I would um, ultimately have a, a place here and then a home elsewhere. Mm. You know, I think like I, I just I think I would like to remain, you know, part of me in New York. But mm-hmm. I, I still have um, just like yourself, those dreams of having land, you know, having open space, having peace and tranquility just outside my door instead of me traveling an hour and a half into the mountains upstate sure. you know yeah i mean it's like yeah and it's really but that's also like what i said earlier it's like you know every for me every eight to ten weeks i need to i need to take a break i need to get out of the city i need to be in nature and mm-hmm. um you know and you're and one thing you also said is the you know, but i also try to create in my home a peaceful, tranquil environment. Mm-hmm. So I can kind of, even in my own space, kind of, um, you know, get away from the intensity and the craziness and stuff. But well, yeah, I know. see myself like getting, uh, you know, I love to actually build my own home upstate someday and like kind of, you know, get down and dirty and, and uh, build a home and have all those wonderful, I even have some chickens or something like that. That'd be a lot of fun, <laughs> mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. instead of just going to the deli and getting my eggs. So yeah, I'm with yeah. you. I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So you guys run the men talking mindfulness podcast and mindfulness is obviously important to you guys. And you've, you've built this movement around it. What, what does that mean to you? What does the, the word mindfulness mean to you? To me, it, 
you know, a lot of people use that term and meditation, the term uh, meditation synonymously. And I don't think they are synonymous. I think there, there's definitely overlap between the two, but mindfulness is to me, and you know, if you looked up John Kabat-Zinn's definition, it's something that, to the effect of being in the present moment in your feelings and emotions without any judgment, something to that mm-hmm. effect. But, but, uh, to me, it's just taking it one step further. It's, it's really being present. Mindfulness is a way of living presently all the time. And when you notice that your mind has wandered off to some other time or some other space, just bringing it back. Um, so it's basically, in a, in a sense, living in a meditation, kind of bringing yourself mm-hmm. back you over go. and over and over. Um, mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's what mindfulness is as far as the definition to me. As far as what it truly means to me, it's being, you know, present with yourself, being present with those you love, being present with those you work with, those you play with. It's it's living the life in the here and now because the present moment is the only real thing. The past is gone and we're not ever getting it back and the future isn't here yet. And we don't know what it's going to look mm-hmm. like. So mm-hmm. live in the moment. That's that's what it is. Yeah. I, yeah. Wow. That's such a, yeah, you just said it all, right? And it's amazing how, how often your 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 consciousness is pulled away from the present moment and and what i noticed what i've noticed is that that degrades the quality of the present moment right oh, yeah. to be to be somewhere else when instead mm. you should be giving the thing that you're focused on your full attention i i see it with people more than anything or interactions with people you know if i'm with someone and i'm really with them i'm present with them and listening to what they say and giving them my full attention, the quality of that interaction is completely different than if I'm kind of like half listening, but half playing on my phone or, you know, thinking about something else or, or just somewhere else in my mind. So I think there's, there's something to it for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's why we've, um, yeah, John and I rallied around mindfulness. It's like we had a friend in common that, um, you know, I worked with this guy on Almond Retreat in like 2015. Great friend of ours, John Tuck or Scott Tucker, great, great, great dude. And he saw, you know, teaching yoga and meditation on this retreat. Um, you know, got to know Scott, who's also a veteran. He's a um, West Point grad, uh, and he saw John, you know, pop up on his LinkedIn feed or, you know, as a contact, and he was going to teach um, mindfulness, a SEAL teaching mindfulness, mm-hmm. and or, and it was like, wow. And so he put us together and, and, and then John and I, we just literally just started talking about books on mindfulness, this and that. And we would just have a call starting in the summer of 2019, like once a month. And then the pandemic hit. And then we got together and say, let's do some live conversations about mindfulness. There's no better time than mindfulness now or shut down in a <laughs> pandemic. Yeah. And, um, and, and we've grown, I mean, our relationship has grown into such a beautiful friendship and, and like, a, you know, a, a brotherhood. Um, and we, you know, John continues to serve, like serving our country for for 24 years and 17 years as a SEAL. I've been serving the New York community here with yoga and meditation. And now we're joining forces and trying to help people to, you know, not just understand what mindfulness is, but give them opportunities to practice mindfulness and give them the tools and the techniques and the awareness of different practices that, you know, because not everything, not everyone's ready to meditate. Not everyone's ready to do this particular practice or this or that, you know, but just giving them a, an easy on-ramp 
to you know a potential experience of mindfulness that can change their life and uh, sure. it's really been an incredible fun journey uh especially with you know and also part of this journey is just partnering with another man another dude and like finding a way to work together and that's been as much of a, a joy of what we've been creating uh as as the podcast itself you know just to really work with another guy letting the ego down learning to compromise learning to you know collaborate learning to make something that works for both of us has really been a great journey through masculinity as well mm. and like if you really just put down all that macho bullshit you can really create something beautiful and sure. uh, it's been a lot of fun helping turn not just men but all people but men in particular really attached to our show looking into the way of mindfulness as as uh, as a way of being and uh, a way of living your life and and it just starts to bring a lot more happiness and kindness and peace and all the things that we've, we've been talking about this whole episode all the things everyone is is looking for whether they know it or not yeah. and true exactly. let's let's go with that that theme of breaking a larger goal down into smaller chunks i think a lot mm -hmm. of people get overwhelmed when concepts like meditation and mindfulness are brought up because you know they at least for me my my understanding when i was first exposed to those ideas was if you want to do that you've got to go sit on a mountaintop and isolate yourself from society and you know meditate for eight hours a day and live with <laughs> gruel or whatever else is required you know to, to you have to live like a monastic sort of existence mm -hmm. and i think well you it's 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 actually great that you're in new york city because you know that's the kind of like the heart of darkness right and you're still managing to to hold that flame of of mindfulness burnt burning yeah. there you know um so i guess breaking it down into small chunks someone listening to this he's overwhelmed with the idea or the thought of it but he is interested in it what is like a simple practice he can do to to start down that road i'd say first just make time don't just hope this happens you know like you make time to go to the gym or make you know it's you're not working on your muscles or you know your physique you're working on your mind and it takes reps and if you just start i would say just five minutes ten minutes a day just get to know your breath just sit down and breathe um and and start to understand the breath as an incredible instrument of transformation um, that can really help you calm down to really help you to become more aware and more present um, and then a lot of things can fall into place like that's you know that's one or another one I'll, I'll recommend that I'll kick it over to John is just yeah how about just going out for a walk without your phone mm. being in nature you know and like not distracting yourselves with you know your technology and just getting or, or getting your body in some way a lot of people just sit behind their freaking computer screens and with a hunched body and shutting down their, you know, their, their consciousness and their potential, you know, as they doom scroll through Instagram or Facebook or whatever the latest <laughs> app is, or, you know, and, and how about de you know, detaching from your technology for an hour a day and watch how that's going to just make you more mindful of other aspects of your life. Yeah. John, you might have something here too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was right there. Uh, basically what you just mentioned, Nick, in that I kind of thought that, in order to be good at living mindfully or meditating that you have to practice uh sitting on a mountaintop for eight hours a day I, like i thought that <laughs> don't meditation... make fun of me guys don't make fun <laughs> of me <Sit> in my... <laughs> I, I i thought that meditation and living mindfully was for like 
hippies, monks, and weirdos. And uh, I, I got introduced to it by a counselor um, when I was struggling with my own stress and anxiety and depression after some things uh, had happened on the battlefield. And and he recommended mindfulness and meditation to me. And, and in all honesty, I laughed at him uh, because I did think it was for hippies, monks, and weirdos. And <laughs> and he was like, well, no, here's, here's the deal. It's if I had something that I could give to you that would improve your performance, both personally and professionally, physically and mentally, would, would you take it? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, doc, you know, as, as, a, as a special operator, I'm always looking for something that's going to give me an edge over the person next to me, whether that's an enemy on the battlefield or whether it's my best friend right next to me, I'm always looking for an edge. And he was like, well, it's, it, it is mindfulness and meditation. So I jumped right into the next day, I jumped right into an hour long guided meditation on insight timer, I think it was. And I, I, I made it about like 17 seconds. And, then, and my mind wandered off to my to do list and everything else. And I got pissed off at myself and convinced myself that I couldn't meditate. And I went back to that same counselor that had recommended it to me. And I was like, this is a bunch of bullshit, just like I thought it was. And uh, he, he was like, well, what did you do? And I told him exactly that I'd sat down to meditate for an hour and it lasted about 17 seconds. And he was like, well, that's, that's like lining up at the starting line of a marathon without having ever run a mile or going into the gym and you know getting under 350 pounds on the bench press without ever having lifted weights before. Mm. You know, that's my, that's my kind of language, right? So he's speaking my language and I was like, okay, so how do I start? And so he introduced me just like Will just mentioned introduced me to my breath, right? We have our breath with us all day long, every day. And yeah. I've never really stopped to think about it. What's funny is I had, I, I say, I'd never stopped to think about it. I had thought about it on the shooting range. We had, mm. we, you know, had, Hey, stop, think about your breath, shoot in between the breaths, try to shoot in between the heartbeats. So I was paying attention there, but I didn't even know that I was really in touch with my breath. So he introduced me again, reintroduced me, I guess, to my breath uh, with some very basic breathing exercises, box breathing, introduced me to that. And I did that for a while. And after I did that for a while, I was able to get into the longer, more in-depth practices. And now I, I'm a full believer that it is not just for hippies, monks, and weirdos. It is for everyone. And it's not just for, 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 for performance enhancement either, because in addition to the performance enhancement that I received, the quote unquote side effects of meditation with that it helped with dealing with the the stress and the anxiety and the depression that I was I was struggling with. Mm -hmm. So it was a it's not a panacea by any means, but it is definitely a, a a piece of the puzzle to help with healing as well. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I think it's as close as as we have, maybe with the exception of plant medicine to a panacea. It, it really can help with so many different things. Um, but as you said, it's not. There's no one solution to everything. Right. Man, right. You, you guys are a testament to uh, that expression. Um, it's not just about talking the talk. It's about walking the walk. Like it's clear that yeah, hell yeah. the way you guys, just the way you are is Thank you. evidence that what you, what you preach works. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure the guys listening to this are going to want to know more and want to find out more about your work. Where's the best place for them to find you? 
Uh, I think the, the so, easiest way to find the two of us is on our website, mentalkingmindfulness.com. And then, you know, the, the same name for our podcast, Men Talking Mindfulness. And we are on podcast on, you know, Apple, uh, Spotify, everywhere there are podcasts. We're there. And then we're on YouTube as well. So we do our podcast and Instagram live. as well. Yeah. Uh, yep. We, and we do our podcast live on video. Uh, so check us out there too, if you're looking for us. Awesome, guys. Thank yeah. you so much for your time. I appreciate both of you. Thank you, Nick. It's been Nick. an honor. Yeah, thank you, Nick. We appreciate what you're putting out in the world, brother. And uh, awesome to speak with you guys, everyone. Both of you, all, both of you today. Uh, thank you Indeed. so much. I'm sure you guys have picked up on the fact that I'm not a strictly religious man per se, but you've also heard me quote many verses and usually badly quote many verses from the Bible. Uh, I read the Bible when I was a kid a couple of times and uh, I haven't read it much since then, but I do remember fragments of it. And one of the things that I think of when I think of John and Will is the verse, you'll know a tree by its fruit. Many people claim to have found the answers. And I've, I've spoken about this before several times. You know, they'll make promises about what they can do for you or who they are and how they show up in the world. But you spend some time with them or you look at their track record or any of their recent actions and you quickly see that the fruit of their lives is not commensurate or not in accordance with the tree they're claiming to have grown or to be, I guess, is a better way of describing it. And so when I had this conversation with these guys, I realized that they're the real deal because, you know, the, the fruit is there. They're happy, healthy, integrated, kind, gentle, um, you know, just good dudes. <laughs> and it's just so great to talk to people like that. I'm sure you guys felt the same. And, uh, you know, I especially appreciated the fact that being in, in New York City, they're still able to, well, you know, when you live in a big city, as I'm sure many of you guys do, you kind of, you can't help but to be affected by the energy of the place. It's so intense. There's so many lives going on simultaneously in close proximity to each other. And there's so much noise and stimulation and there's so much stuff going on and a lot of it's not good. And, you know, a lot of it can rub off on you and start to, to tarnish you and, and taint you. And it takes an extraordinary amount of self-observation and presence to not let that happen. And it's clear that these guys have done that. And uh, I really respect them for that. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. It always helps. And uh, drop me a message if you want to chat about any of the, the subjects. Or if you have an idea for a good guest, I'm always open to hearing about good guest ideas. Guys, I hope you're exceptionally well and that your week is phenomenal. Your weekend, I think this is dropping on a Friday, so I hope your weekend is phenomenal. And uh, I'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, remember, we're all alone in this together. <laughs>